and welcome to season three of Flower Friends. I'm Sarah Nayani and I'm back in podcast mode this winter, kicking off with some solo Sarah session episodes for your listening pleasure. Today, I'll be covering some of what I've been working on to get my mind right for the new year. And in the next several weeks, I'll share some best of lists, reviews, and other garden and floral design topics. In case this is your first time listening in, welcome. Hello. This podcast documents my journey of starting a small floral business called Grow Girl Seattle here in Seattle, Washington. Along the way, I had the pleasure of interviewing some amazing guests that I've learned so much from, so I recommend checking out seasons one and two if you haven't already. We'll have many more guests in future seasons of Flower Friends, but I've had so much in my brain that I just really wanted to share, so I decided to do this season solo. I always find fall and winter to be some of the most reflective times of the year for me. I think there's a couple reasons. First, in the fall, I'm doing a lot of like garden cleanup, mulching, seed collecting. So I'm looking at all the plants that are dead or dying and figuring out, you know, which ones worked, which didn't, kind of thinking back on the year and kind of what went well and what didn't. And then I also start planting fall bulbs like tulips and ranunculus, anemones, things like that in the fall. And so I really need to think about where I'm going to plant them and then what other things I need to save room for that I'll be growing. In the fall and winter, I also take client inquiries for floral design for like events for the coming year. So I usually start blocking off the calendar and planning which flowers to grow around the events that I'll be using them for. So this time of year, I just feel like it's a natural time for reflection and planning for me. Some of the topics I'm planning to cover in the next few podcast episodes get into more detail of what I loved growing and designing with this year and the varieties I'm planning to grow next year. But before I get into the details of any of that, I really want to take a step back into the bigger picture and talk about something that keeps coming up for me, which is mindset. So because we as flower growers often plan out what we're going to grow and who we're growing it for or what we're growing it for so far in advance, it can be really hard to pivot mid-season. And as florists, we book events and build design concepts for those events really far in advance. So in 2022, I did flower subscriptions every week from the first week in March through the first week in November. And I pre-sold those subscriptions months in advance. So at this time last year, my whole year was kind of locked in before one flower even bloomed. I'm really grateful for that. I don't mean to sound like rude or ungrateful. It's wonderful to have, you know, such lovely clients and have the privilege of delivering really gorgeous local blooms to them all season long and just for their support of local flowers. Their pre-purchase of subscriptions really helped me last year to cover my seed and bulb and tuber costs up front and just to gain some like footing and traction, kind of confidence before the season even started knowing that I had a home for the flowers I was planning to grow. And so while there are a lot of upsides to setting up a year like that where everything's kind of trying to be sold in advance, I've been able to have a lot of space this fall and winter as I've been working on other things 
just had some time to think about some of the downsides of planning that far in advance. So 2022 was only my second year of full-on flower, like floral design and selling subscriptions. And I didn't really factor in mid-season breaks or time to take a breath and how important that is, especially on the creative side of my brain to have like real rest and fresh perspective. I also really didn't factor in how much work I would need to do in the garden at the height of the event season. Of course, it makes sense that people are going to book events with local flowers when everything's in bloom. Duh. But I just didn't have all those events in my calendar when I first planned out my year so far in advance. And instead of adjusting my plan to accommodate the changes as people were booking events that were, you know, only a couple months out, I just plowed through and just really didn't make adjustments to my schedule to try to fit in that new event that was booked. I just took it all on and made it work. So fulfilling client orders and delivering a product that I could really stand behind and felt confident and really happy with what I was designing, that became my priority. And I didn't have just, I just didn't have enough time in the day to do everything. So this past year in 2022, I felt like the garden took second fiddle to some of my floristry commitments And as a result, I didn't get to planting everything I wanted to in time and ended up buying in a bigger portion of locally grown flowers than I had really originally planned for. Like what would happen is I'd have a whole tray of seedlings that I babied and grew under my grow lights in like early spring. And then when it was time to move them out and harden them off, did that, got them ready to go. And then I really didn't have bed space to plant. So I kind of held them aside for a while. And then I got really wrapped up in floristry stuff. And when it was time to move a bed over, I just didn't have time to get out there and do that. And so I really, I feel like I just prioritize the floristry stuff because that's the product that I'm selling and that's what's covering the costs of what I'm growing. But because I was using a lot of those or a lot of my time to do the floristry side, I really didn't get everything into the beds in time that I wanted to. And I ended up doing a couple like panic pushes where I had open beds. The thing I had planned to put in there had died while I was, you know, doing other things. And then I ended up just doing like sunflower seeds or something that wasn't going to be a major part of my designs, but I just wanted something in the beds. But that's kind of a double hit to my income when I'm buying in more from other growers because I'd already invested in those seeds. I spent a lot of time growing those seedlings out to the stage where they could be planted and then I didn't use all of them. And then in addition, I was buying in those stems from other local growers at a higher price than it would have cost me to grow them and a price that I basically already paid because I got them started but didn't finish them. The other thing I didn't fully factor in to my year last year was my non-flower part-time job. I planned my full flower calendar year as though I really had nothing else to do in the world. And I kind of forgot to budget in enough time for almost anything else beyond flowers. So back last January when I was really thinking about what I was going to grow and when and what successions I had... I was just thinking about the growing and the floristry side 
and not as much about fitting in a part-time job and social commitments and just other things that I wanted to do besides just doing that at the height of the season. So as a result, again, the garden side was kind of what got the short end of the stick. And I feel like I moved further from the thing that brought me to all of this in the first place, which was my garden and just kind of that miracle feeling of growing something from a tiny seed into a full plant and all of the critters that come to the garden as a result of that. And when I first started, I used to just sit out there and watch everything. And I feel like this past year was just so rushed and so busy that I didn't get to take the time to really be at one with my garden and just really feel like connected and united with everything that was going on out there. It just felt like a little bit of something that I needed to fit in when I could around other projects and that it, you know, it didn't get the top billing of how I spent my summer, if that makes sense. (laughs) So I feel really proud of what I accomplished this past year. I took on a lot of extra events and ideas and collaborations that I hadn't planned on at the beginning of the year. And that's great. I think we got to follow our hearts. I had so much like inspiration. I had so many joys or so many moments of joy and excitement. And I really love building this business. I love growing and designing with flowers. And I just get so much satisfaction from all of it. But as I've kind of been shutting down the garden and planting bulbs this fall, and I have had that time to reflect, I've been thinking a lot about what brought me here, that time in the garden, and how to build in more of that and just be more realistic as I'm planning next year. And I noticed at times that I fell back into my workaholic kind of put my head down and do all the work first mindset. That's what I was trying to get away from when I made a career change to pursue flowers. And so I've just been thinking a lot about mindset as I've started planning for this coming year, 2023, and I thought it would be great to kick off season three with this topic. Personally, you know, I get so excited to open my seed packets, look at the seed catalogs, do all of that. But I found that I really wanted to take a step back and think about the big picture this year and approach the year with some like larger scale intention before I really dive into the details. And another reason I wanted to talk about mindset today is I've been having some real struggles with Instagram stress lately. I, when I first started using Instagram for gardening, I like I had my own personal account and then I created just a separate garden account. I didn't follow any of my family or friends. I just followed people that were into growing food and flowers in the garden. And it was such a cool place of connection because I, you know, I didn't know a lot of people that were my age that were really into gardening and 2020 was the year that COVID started and it just I was so consumed with my garden then. It was what was giving me like peace of mind in this super stressful world. And so anyway, Instagram at that point was just bringing me so much joy, inspiration. I was learning all these things from Instagram. So I really enjoyed it. But lately, I've been finding it to be such a source of stress. I think part of that has to do with starting a business and not feeling as much 
freedom, I guess, on Instagram to kind of be myself and share my successes and failures because I really want to have a professional face to my business. And I guess I look at Instagram as like a portal and a portfolio for communicating with potential clients. And my product is Cut Flowers. So while I share a bit of the behind the scenes in the garden to show what goes into growing flowers, it's more a place for my design photos now because that's what I'm selling. So I try to share some failures, um, but it's a balance of wanting to be professional and really build trust. And I think a lot of people are like that and only share successes and that can make Instagram or like, I guess any social media platform, a hard place to be. But for me, the, the really the biggest thing that stresses me out about social media is how much subconscious comparison that I do and how much it makes me feel like a failure. <laughs> um, just as an example, a lot of my friends in the flower world did, um, like they sold wreaths and they did wreath workshops this year. And they posted about it. It looked fabulous. I was so excited for them. But even though I had pre-planned to take a break from selling products once my growing season was over, and I'd planned to only do some holiday centerpieces, I guess I just felt like such a failure when I saw like the beautiful creations and the events that everyone else seemed to be doing. And it, it felt like I had missed out on a huge opportunity and like a core part of income for a floral business. And, you know, doing wreath workshops and wreath sales, that wasn't my plan. My bread and butter is fresh seasonal flowers in spring, summer, and fall, at least right now. And I go really hard during those seasons so I can recuperate and plan and recharge for next year. I practically collapsed when my season ended in early November, so I don't know how I physically or mentally or socially or in any other capacity could have handled doing a bunch of events or extra sales this fall. But despite me reminding myself of all these things every time I go on Instagram, I still somehow feel bad. It's like, what the hell? Why does my brain work like that? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I wonder if others do too. And I guess if any of this is resonating with you, I thought mindset would be a great thing to talk about today as we kind of focus on the year ahead. Um, because just feeling less than or dealing with comparison, that comes up a lot. And so I think for me, I feel like getting myself right and my mindset right at least having a plan for what my year is going to look like and just really trying to reiterate to myself, like, this is your plan. It's going to look different from other people. It's great if they're doing something awesome right now. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just need to stop feeling like a failure. So anyway, there's several things that I've been doing the past month or two that just they kind of cropped up like independent of each other. But as I was, you know, really taking a minute to step back, I realized that they were all related to each other. And I thought I would share some of the things that I've been doing to try to work on my mindset for next year or for planning and kind of dealing with next year. So I'll just list the six off to start and then I'll go into each of them in more detail. And that way, if there's one you just know you want to skip, you can skip ahead. And if not, you can 
hang tight and listen in. The first two were the biggest game changers for me. And then um, three through six, so the last four, are, are really good activities to do, I think. But I really found that the combo of one and two were kind of the most beneficial for me, at least so far. So my six recommendations are, number one, to step back and think about your priorities so you can act with intention and confidence. Number two is to make a pat yourself on the back list. (laughs) Number three is to make a list of what makes you excited and build in more time for those things. Number four is for the things you don't love doing but you need to do, try to think of ways now before the year started to make them more fun so you can incorporate the, you know, things that boost your mood or make it a little bit better when you have to do those things you don't love doing. Number five is to make a one-page year-long overview. Six is to plan some getaways, some time away, time with non-flower friends, and time with flower friends. So again, these, these really aren't in any particular order. It's just some of the things that cropped up for me over the past month or two when I've been, you know, really wanting to dig into my seed boxes and, you know, really go crazy on all those Dahlia tuber sales. I've really stopped myself and said like, hey, before you do that, let's step back and look at the bigger year so that we're not buying things that are bright yellow, for example, for a bunch of events that you're not going to be using yellow for, or, you know, just, just trying to have a more cohesive picture of the year, but really more from a mindset perspective first, and then diving into more details of how that pertains to, I don't know, sort of the rest of the big picture (laughs) after. So let's dive in. So number one is just kind of stepping back and thinking about your priorities. I started thinking about a conversation I had with a friend recently, and they were interviewing for a job, and some really smart things came out of my mouth that I really, I'm good at giving advice to others, and I really need to step back and give that advice to myself. So that, I just don't know why. Why is it so much easier sometimes to be like compassionate and loving towards our friends, our family, than towards ourselves? I don't know, but I'm really trying to like, when I catch myself saying something good to someone else, I'm trying to think about how I can apply that to myself. So anyway, I was thinking about the mindset of applying for jobs. So when you don't have a job or you're trying to move to a new one, there's stress that comes with that, obviously, either to make money because you're, you don't have a job right now or to get into a new situation if the job you're in at this moment is really stressful or there's a bad situation of some kind. And I was thinking how you can handle that. You can be scared or you can be confident. So if you act out of fear, you might apply to every single job you see, even if they're not the ones you actually want. And when you get an interview and they ask you about yourself, You change your description of your skills to be compatible with what you think they want. So you're trying to filter everything they ask you through the lens of like, what do they want to hear? And you're trying to make yourself fit to them. 
and you take the first job that you get offered because you're really desperate for a job. It's not a great fit, but you have the job and you try to make it work. But then if you're applying for jobs and you act out of confidence, you might step back and really think about what you want before you even apply for one job. So you kind of check in with yourself. You trust your intuition, your priorities, whether that priority is better work-life balance or a happier work environment, you want to make more money or anything else, whatever your priority is, you research and search for jobs that are much more likely to fit into those priorities and you only apply to those. So you're already kind of doing some filtering so that any interview you get is going to have already met some minimum criteria. And when you go in for the interview, you're not responding to questions out of desperation or fear of getting an answer wrong. You're actually using the interview to interview your employer and truly find out if this is a good fit for you and what you need. And when you accept the job, you've been your authentic self throughout. You haven't tried to make yourself fit to somebody else's standards, to somebody else's definitions. You've been yourself And the job is going to be much more likely to be a good, healthy, like happy fit for you. And so the reason I've been thinking so much about this conversation I had with my friend about applying for jobs is because, I don't know, I just stood back and I was like, I think this mentality applies to so many things. I think when you step back and you assess what you want and you act with intention and confidence from that place... The result is just going to be so different than if you're acting out of fear or reactiveness or living by other people's definitions of success. And so with everything that I'm doing this coming year, I'm trying to think about what I actually want. I'm trying to quiet the noise around me and stick to my goals and my priorities, not someone else's, not other people, what they've decided. It's all great. Everyone has a different rhythm. But I'm just really trying to stick with what's important to me. And so I, I took some time and I, I really thought about this and I wrote it down to kind of like, what do they call it? It's like a mission statement or something with like goals underneath. I, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it like that at all. I was just kind of stepping back and saying like, what's important to me this year? What do I want to operate from as I'm planning everything out? And I just started writing and this is what came up for me. So I'll just, I'll just share that with you. It's not because these should be yours. It's just, these are mine. And I just want to give you an example of how I'm thinking about it. So my overarching goals and priorities for my business this year are to grow and design with homegrown and local flowers to share their natural beauty with my clients and community in a way that honors and celebrates those blooms and feels authentic to my personal creativity and aesthetic, to continue to evolve my creative voice in ways that challenge and excite me, to work with clients who value local sustainable flowers and value and trust my artistic vision, to spend more time in the garden connecting with the life and the story of the flowers and the foliage I grow in the interaction of all the critters with them, to continue to build relationships and friendships with local growers and learn from them, 
and to build some breaks and rest into my schedule that allow me to recharge and work from a place of passion. So those are kind of my overarching (laughs) um, ideas that I just was thinking about as I've just kind of been on this topic in my head for the past month or so. And of course, I have some more specific goals. I have some financial goals, but all of those are flowing from this bigger picture, or at least I'm trying to make it that way. And my hope is that by kind of taking the time to actually write these down and and really think of these as my bigger goals and my kind of guiding light for the year, I'm hoping it will help me move with more confidence in my decisions and seek out projects that align with what I'm working towards rather than running around trying to do everything and spinning my wheels on projects that really aren't working towards my personal priorities. And I think this will be useful in reminding myself that everyone around me has different goals. We can't compare what we're doing. And I just need to work for my own track and stay confident in that. And for some reason, the process of just writing it down, I feel like it's something I can go to my drawer and pull out and just remind myself when I'm having a low day. And so I I think, I don't know, it just feels important to do that. So you might have your own way of thinking about your goals, your own processes. Your goals might be complete opposite of mine. It might just be about making the most profit you've ever made for your business. And that's a great goal. I just, I just want everyone, if you're taking the time to think about it, to, to put a goal up there or a few goals and to try to make sure that the things that you're spending your time on are in service of those goals. And I, I guess, you know, one of the proudest moments that I've had in 2022 was saying no to an event. It was an event for 2023. It was one that had a big budget, but I felt sort of micromanaged and that the client didn't trust my vision. And I, and I had a couple other small things that I said no to too, but I was just really proud of sort of stepping back and thinking about what I wanted and what it was going to be like to work with the, you know, over the next year. Cause when you take a client on, it's, it's a long-term relationship. And so I really want to step into long-term business relationships with people that I work really well with and that I can tell value what it is that I do, because I think that's just going to fit into my goals better (laughs) and just make my year better overall. So that's just an example, but I thought I would share it. So number two on my list, let me go back and look, is to make a pat yourself on the back list. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Um, so I was having a really bad day and I was talking to my husband about how I should have done more holiday offerings and how I feel like I really missed out on an important part of business. And he reminded me how much I had done this year and that I just really needed some rest. And he was the one who suggested that I should actually write down some of the things that I'm proud of. So that when I do feel that self-doubt creeping in or I'm feeling like a failure, I can pull the list out again, similar to the goals list, and remind myself of the things that I'm proud of. 
So while I was making that list, I realized I started this podcast this year. It feels so long ago and I couldn't believe it. Oh, my dog Smokey is growling right next to me. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I'm sitting on the couch. I've got my dog Francie on my left, my dog Smokey on the right. <laughs> We're having a cozy time. It's it's after Christmas, but we've got our Christmas tree up and I'm just thinking about New Year's stuff. So I thought I'd pop on and record, but you may hear them give a growl to people walking by. <laughs> don't don't mind them. They're they're just here for the ride. They just they love our flower friends. So anyway. Yeah, so I I guess I was just saying I really realized that I started this podcast this year and it just feels a long time ago. It feels like I've been doing this for a while. And there was a lot that kind of came with just writing that down. So I wrote down like started podcast But within that, there are some other things that I was pretty proud of. So I reached out to lots of people to ask them to be guests. I put myself out there with like flower heroes and people I look up to and people I thought would never respond. And yes, not everyone responded, but the people who did just blew my mind with their generosity and their kindness and the lessons and the tips that they shared with me. And another thing I put under podcast is I learned how to record and edit a podcast. I had no clue how to before. I'd never used GarageBand. I never knew how to do any of this. And I made 20 episodes. Well, this will be episode 21. So just with that one item on my list, the podcast, I was able to write down a few things I was really proud of. And I was kind of amazed by how much just writing it down buoyed my energy. So even just that one thing, I was like, oh yeah, I made a podcast, but there's all these things underneath it that I'm proud of too. And so I won't share all of the items on my list. I don't want to create that sense of comparison, but I just want to emphasize that some of the items I listed were items when, or like times when I took a break or a weekend away as a recovering workaholic, I guess I should say, um, that that felt like a success to me. And other people might not necessarily think of that as a success to be able to take a weekend away in the summer. But for me, it was so huge to like, you know, just day in, day out, you're just focused on flowers, you're focused on the garden, you're focused on moving your product. And it feels like if you have you know, any unsold flowers that you're failing somehow. And so for me, just being able to say, nope, that's not a failure. If I come home and they're still in bloom, I'll cut them from my kitchen table and we're all good. That was a big deal. <laughs> so I wrote, as a, I wrote it as a success. And then another major theme as I'm looking through my list here is just like making new friends in the industry, reaching out to people and just trying to chat with them. I think like I have some Instagram connections, which are so nice, so awesome to just message back and forth with some people. But I really, I took a step out from just that and like tried to meet up with more people this year or tried to, I don't know, just interact with more people in person because I just found that to be very like fulfilling. And so anyway, I listed that as something that I was proud of. And so I would say, just think of what it is that makes you proud about your year 
And I bet you'll be so surprised by how much you fit in this year. I bet there's some things on your list that feel like they were last year or the year before because like, what is time with COVID? It's like, I just feel like I've been in such a time warp for the past few years. But anyway, I I think writing it down really makes a difference. And I also want to mention that I wrote down some non-accomplishment things and things that were non-flower related. I just wanted to remind myself of everything that was going on this year. So my dad passed away in January and my sisters and I, we planned his funeral and we handled his estate. And so dealing with the emotional processing of all of that took a lot of energy. And I just wanted to remind myself that that happened this year and that it was really hard. And so I had a lot of low points and just kind of feelings of sadness and despair this year because of my dad and then also losing some other people in my life this year. So for me, I think life challenges should go on this list too because I feel like they're such a big part of who we are and they affect so much of how we interact with the world. And also because, at least for me, some of the hardest parts of the year really fueled my creativity and I, I was able to feel and process some of those emotions through flowers. I think that's a really beautiful part of this work, putting our feelings into it. And so whether it was a loss or something difficult you went through this year, it just feels important to me to reflect on that and include that in your list. So making this list has, has really made a big change in my mindset the past month or two. I've only physically pulled out the list to look at it once when I was having a bad day, but for the most part, the process of just actually writing it down really solidified something in my brain. And I definitely find I've felt more secure when I log on to Instagram recently, just being able to sit where I'm at and celebrate the successes of others more as something awesome for them and not having it translate into that little like voice of I suck or I'm not good enough because I didn't do what they're doing. And I, like I mentioned before, I actually think the combo of writing out my priorities, which was number one on this list. And then writing out some things that I'm proud of, which is what we're on now. It's been a a little bit of magic. I feel like the one-two punch from the combo of those has made a big difference for me, especially on the comparison front. So let's jump into number three. Um, Another thing I did was to think about some of the things that really excite me on the gardening and floristry sides and write those down. So for example, some general things like being in the garden, that was already on my priorities, but some specific things too, like designs I want to try, some new services I want to offer. It was really fun to think of some like big ideas without any restraints or anyone else's vision, just things that make me excited that I would love to work on in the next year or two years or five years. I found this list gave me some useful direction in terms of thinking about my offerings. So while I've loved doing flower subscriptions that are weekly and I deliver to the same set of customers for different periods of time, um, and I and I still may do some shorter term subscriptions again this year, but I don't think subscription should be my core business offering anymore. Because the things on my list that excite me are just moving in a different direction, and that's okay. 
So for example, some of the things that are really feeling exciting to me is interacting with others in an event setting or workshop setting, or even the podcast setting of interviewing other people, and then sharing the joy of flowers in person with others. So having the majority of the work I do be alone in my studio, making large amounts of smaller sized doorstep drop-off subscriptions where I don't get to kind of interact as much with the clients or get feedback from them, it just isn't really hitting some of the major elements of what is exciting me. And I'm not ruling things out, but I'm just trying to narrow my offerings in a way that aligns with my larger goals and in a way that moves towards more of the work I'm super inspired by and enjoy. So whatever your list consists of, if you just write down five or six things that excite you or things you want to try this year, I think maybe that will help guide your areas of focus too. Okay, let's see what number four is. (laughs) I have to go back here. (laughs) Okay, oh yes. So for the things that you don't love doing but you need to, think of ways to make them more fun. So I really like this one because I was thinking about taxes. I have a lot of like year-end tax stuff I'm working on right now. And I'm just like, this sucks. I'm just, I'm not an accountant. I have a very, you know, basic way that I do my finances. Sorry, my dog is... My dog has sat on the remote and is changing the channel somehow with his paw. So anyway, let me start that over. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I kind of dread doing. (laughs) Taxes is definitely one of them. And so just for example, as I've been kind of like working on my tax stuff or just my year end like wrap up things, I've been making a list of expenses for this quarter And I've been making a list of like invoices and sales that I've had this quarter. And so what I I just have a very basic system where I just put both of those in separate spreadsheets and then I make basically a simple profit and loss statement for the quarter. And I just really dread doing that. I don't know why it's like monotonous. There's nothing exciting about it. It's not creative like the other parts of this job. You, you might have an employee that you can hand this off to. You might have an accountant that you hand it off to. I'm not that place yet in my business and that's okay. Um, so I'm just trying to think of ways to make it more fun. And so for example, what I thought of is taking my laptop down to a coffee shop and doing a power hour of taxes so that I break it into shorter stints throughout a week or a month so that it's not like, all at once the day, the last day that it's due and just dreading it and like having eight or 12 hours of needing to write stuff down and organize it. So trying to break it down into smaller parts and then trying to, you know, have a fancy coffee while you're sitting at a counter and just kind of feels like a field trip leaving the office, you know, just (laughs) kind of getting out into the world and not have it be like, just sitting at my desk and being boring. Or another thing I was thinking of is I have some other flower friends that do similar like tax stuff for themselves. And I was thinking of meeting up with them and just, you know, sitting side by side, not talking, but just, you know, making it more fun (laughs) that way. And maybe having like a 
a coffee or a drink afterwards together to to celebrate that we did a couple hours of taxes. So I was trying to think of things like that. And then similarly, when I'm processing stems for an event, so let's say I go out and from my garden and my friend's gardens and then Seattle Wholesale Growers Market where I buy a lot of my flowers you know, I might, I might come home with like a thousand stems for a big event. I don't know, maybe not a thousand. I'm not sure the exact count, but a lot. And I'll have buckets all over my house and I'll put a podcast in or something. And one by one, I'll go through and clean up all the stems because I really like to have a clean stem when I'm sitting down to design so that I'm just ready to go. But sometimes I get to the design side and I've spent a day or so processing stems, which is kind of boring. And it's just, I feel tired already because I've already had to do this whole, you know, huge amount of processing. And so I thought I could hire someone to come over and help me and it would split the work in half um, and just make it go by twice as fast. I could have a, a friend come over and just enlist their help and, you know, maybe even like, put on The Bachelor or (laughs) Real Housewives or some trashy show and just get to processing stems, just something, you know, interacting with others or something entertaining to try to make it a little bit more fun. So yeah, whatever your thing is that you don't love doing, but you have to do it, think of ways to make it more fun or consider hiring someone to do that for you. Okay, so number five is to make a one-page year-long overview. And I'm going to go grab mine out of the drawer. Sorry, Fran. Sorry, Smokes. (laughs) Yeah, so I made this year-long calendar. What I did is I just took a one-page, like eight and a half by 11, and I just split it into like 12 sections. I just took a ruler and, you know, made a box for January, February, March, all the way through the year and it's just supposed to be like instead of here's every day in the month I just wanted to write some of the big things that are happening so for example I wrote down what travel I have this year and what months those are in and then I started writing out like when my flowers start blooming and kind of when my season is wrapping up in the garden I tried to write things in like garden cleanup in October in November and planting bulbs if I order more next year. Um, and so I'm just trying to look at the big picture. The other thing I did is for events that I'm doing floral design for, I wrote those into the month. And I really wanted to like take a step back and have something to reference because I find that sometimes this year, like someone would submit an event inquiry and I would just go to that weekend on my calendar without kind of backing up and looking at the whole month or the the weekend before the weekend after to kind of see what I had going on. And I, I ended up having a couple like real bottleneck periods of my year where I had like, for example, two events in one week or three events in two weeks or something like that, where it just got really, really crammed. And I'm just a one woman operation here. So sometimes I'll have a friend come help me or hire my flower friends as freelancers for the day. But um, for the most part, I'm just a one one woman show here. And so it's it's really hard when I have so many big events in a short amount of time. 
And so I, I, I guess just the purpose of this year-long calendar is to kind of step back and just look at your year at a glance. And I was thinking about things specifically, like if I wanted to host a flower workshop, let's say I want to do, for example, wreaths or something holiday in November, December next year. I want to really take it easy in October then. I want to really take it easy at the beginning of November. I want to, I want to build in some times of sort of rest and just making sure that I'm not putting too much in any month and also adding my personal commitments on here. So if I have travel to go see my in-laws or things like that, just really trying to plan out where that's going to go from like a zoomed out perspective before I start accepting more inquiries for next year. I want to kind of book out the things that are really important to me now. And then it just also helps me with like, you know, I'm looking at most of my, the weddings that I have booked are in August, September, and October. And I, you know, I just thought it might be nice to look at the year like this because as I'm looking at June, if I wanted to do like a spring flower workshop, June is fairly open right now. So I I think just having it in this format for some reason helped me. (laughs) So I thought I would mention it here as a mindset tool. And then number six is to plan some getaways, some time away, time with non-flower friends and time with flower friends. And the reason I wrote this on here is like, you know, really what I did last year is I just, I let my calendar get filled and dictated by other people first. So whatever inquiries I had, I booked my subscription super far out and I didn't really accommodate the things that were super important to me on a personal level and even on a professional level where you know, because I had so many subscribers on certain periods of the year, I really just had to focus on that. And I ended up having to decline a couple events because I didn't think I could make them fit. And then the ones I took on, I really had to like do double duty that week and just be super stressed out at the beginning, getting everything done for subscriptions and then shifting my mindset to the event. And it just, it was like a back to back, you know, I I like, Typically, when I have a, an event on a weekend, I like having that week to really plan out vases, to be putting mechanics in vases, to get everything done that I can before the flowers are in my home so that I can just arrange and get going when they get here. And I think having that subscription at the beginning of the week and then event at the end of the week kind of just threw off my momentum a little bit. So I'm trying to think about those things. And plan in some fun things on the calendar to look forward to and some breaks, like I said. So having that year calendar that was my number five recommendation really helps with number six because you can step back and look at what you got going on, when things are going to be really crunch time, which at least for farmer florists and florists, it's probably going to be more like the late spring, summer season into fall. And then just try to have something in the middle. So say your busiest time is June, July, August, September. Maybe something right at the end of July or beginning of August. A family vacation or a weekend away with your partner or, I don't know, just going to a cabin solo and getting a few days to clear your head and just have complete quiet, (laughs) stillness of a lake or an ocean or, or something like that. Or... You know, even if it's just booking in one day or just an afternoon to go for a drive, like it, I think just having a couple days in your calendar that you've blocked off 
before you get inquiries or before you get, you know, wrapped up in the flower world and just all the things that are going on when it's the height of the season. For me, at least, I'm hoping that that will help me (laughs) sort of stay sane this coming year. So those are my major suggestions. And I just thought it would be a good time right as like, we're about to get into 2023 to say, you know, happy holidays to all of you guys and happy new year. And just also to take a minute to step back and think about the big picture before we're run away with the new year and we blink and then it's 2024. I just, I think it's important to plan some things since this is such a high level stress, you know, career, um, especially if you're doing growing flowers, selling flowers in any capacity. Maybe if you're listening and you're a gardener, you know, this, maybe this isn't all super applicable, but I think there are some things that might be just in terms of like, whatever else you do in your year and just trying to plan that in. So I would love to hear some of the things that you do to help with your goal setting and your mindset. And I'd also love to hear if you end up doing any of the ideas that I mentioned here and kind of what realizations that led to for you. So as always, feel free to email me at sarah at growgirlseattle.com or you can message me on Instagram at the flower it's the flower friends podcast. It's at flower friends podcast on Instagram or on my, um, business account. It's at grow girl Seattle on Instagram. So send me a message, shoot me an email, um, leave a comment, whatever you want to do. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about for 2023, what your goals are and how you're kind of trying to set your mindset now <laughs> and, and, and what things are working best for you. It's so nice to be back and I'll come on with some more episodes in the next few weeks. So until then, thank you for joining and let me see if I can get my gumption to do a little song of the week here. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> so I like to close every episode with a song just to to have something to laugh at myself, I guess, more than anything. And just to, I don't know, get a good song stuck in your head, I guess. So let's see what we got here. Ooh, I've got a good one. My In my household, Ella's Swinging Christmas is a really big hit around here. <laughs> Always has been my whole life. So how about a little New Year's Eve from Ella? <laughs> Maybe it's much too early in the game. Oh, but I thought I'd ask you just the same. What are you doing New Year's? New Year's Eve. All right. Bye, guys. Take care.